This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. Job eleven eighteen says, and you shall be secure. Everyone say secure. Because, here's the reason, you shall be secure because there is hope. Everybody say, there is hope. Yes, thou shalt dig, they, they shall dig about you and you shall take your rest in safety. So it's really saying here that no matter what's going on, it's going to be okay because you have hope. You are going to make it because you have hope. Can you shout amen? Go to Psalm 42 and let's go back over there a minute and let's talk about what we did in our last session since it was about two or three weeks ago. And let's revisit this for just a minute. Today my job is to get your hopes up. Praise God. I wouldn't want to go to a church and be without hope and leave and be even with less hope. You come in here, I'm here to pump you up, right? Because the Word of God is true, it's real, it's alive, it's vibrant. Don't you know that God knows what you're going through? Don't you know that God knows what you're suffering with? Don't you know that God uh, understands the, the, the dilemma that you have and the peril that you're going through? And, and, but don't you know, because as I said earlier, he's declared the end from the beginning. He's already seen you in the moment you're in right now. And he's already provided, notice that word pre, P-R-E, that means before, provided what you needed. It's already, whether you know it or not, God already has what you need waiting on you right now. It's right now. God is ready to disperse to you, beginning today, what you need to get through the season you're in in your life. Are you here? Now, I'm going to say another word. We're not in here to teach you how to cope. We're in here to teach you how to hope. Well, if I can just cope with this. No! No, we're not in here to teach you how to cope. Just to settle, well, I'll just try to... No! We're here to get you to get your hopes up. That you'll live again, laugh again, love again, dream again, plan again. Pastor, you don't understand. I lost my husband. I lost my wife. You don't understand what happened to me at work. You don't understand what happened with me. Somebody deceived me. Somebody took my money. You don't understand, but I'm telling you, get your hope up. Somebody told me a long time ago, I was also born again in a Pentecostal church. It was a tongue-talking, devil-bashing. I mean, man, you went in there, and there was lights, camera, action, man. I mean, I was a young guy. I didn't know anything. I walked in there, and bless God, people were swinging, and people, I mean, swinging around and jumping and dancing and hollering and shouting. And for a while, I just went in and observed and went, whoa, oh, wow. Woo! And for long, I started doing this a little bit. For long, I started doing that a little bit. For long, I started hollering a little bit. And for long, I was Pentecostal. <laughs> Spoiler alert, in the camp, faith camp movie, it's kind of funny. One of the characters in there is saying, you know, I just feel led to pray for you, she says to one of the other ladies. And she said, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, uh, uh, to pray in my, what'd she say? Can I pray in my tongue? 
Can I, can, I pray in, in, uh, can I pray in my language? And the other lady said, you mean in tongues? And she said, no, in Spanish. I'm Spanish. So she, uh, <laughs> Praise God. First time I heard somebody pray in tongues in a church service, I was like, oh, my Lord. I thought, you, I, I told you this. I thought, wonder what country they're from. And then I found out they weren't from anywhere. It was, it was a heavenly language. Amen. But I'm here to tell you, we're not here to teach you to cope. We're here to get you to hope. Amen. And we're going to get you back there in Jesus' name. Can you shout amen? Psalm 42, as the deer, verse 1, that word heart means deer. As the deer pants, that word pant in the Hebrew is, is, a, is a strong, strong word. It means violently to, to, uh, uh, to long for. And it's like it's desperation in it, like panting, not just like, it's like... It's like almost drawing your last breath. As the deer pants after the water brook, so pants my soul after you, O oh God. When you, when you see the word water here, I want you to think the word hope for your life. And it's talking about, we talk about how deer, when they are being pursued, we, we, we talked about deer when they're pursued, they, there's a lot of body water that they lose it in a hurry, even more than a lot of other animals when they're in pursuit. They lose body water, and when a deer is in pursuit, it has two things on its mind. Number one, to get away from the, the thing that's pursuing them, but number two, while they're running, they're also thinking, where's the water? Where's the water? Where's the water? Where's the water? Because they know if they're chased long enough, if they don't find water, they'll just fall over dead. Even if they're not caught from behind, they'll just fall over because they have to have water. Amen. Are you listening to me? And so the Lord gave me some little points to give you. So they're going to be, you know, I, I want to give them to you. Number one, like a deer, when we are being pursued, we need hope to be increased. You've got to find some hope when you're under pressure. You've got to find some hope when things aren't going well. You've got to find it somewhere. You can't keep going forever without hope. Amen. Uh, 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 GP, are you with me? Yeah. All right, come on in here. Now, the first group ate this up, just so you know. We had people actually standing a little bit shallow a little bit while I was preaching. And I'm not preaching any different than I did in the last group. It's just I got a different group. So I need you to stick with me today, all right? Come on in here. Y'all come on in now. All right, come on in here. It's okay. The water's fine. Just come on in. But, but when a deer is being pursued, it is not only trying to get away from its captor, it is also thinking, and it's all, deer always find where water holes are, and they always remember where they are. And that deer is thinking, why it's being pursued, I've got to get away. But if I don't stop soon and get some water, I'm going to die anyway. And, the, the, you know, uh, scientists have discovered that you can live so long, you can live longer than you think without food. Some of us can't live any more than four hours. But, but you can actually live longer than four hours without food. One sign you're getting older is when you finish your meal in the morning, you're already saying, here's what we're going to do for lunch, you know. If you're already always talking about your next meal, then that's a sign you're getting old, you know. Here's your sign, you know, you know. So... But, but you can live a, a fairly long period of time without, without food. You can live a decent amount of time without water. But truthfully, you really can't live at all without hope. Now, I want to say this to you. Everybody in here has hope or you wouldn't be in this building. You got up this morning. You got dressed. You got in your car. You came to this building. You already had hope that the lights would be on, the doors would be open. We'd have music up here. People would say hello. You'd have a seat to sit in. You would have a pastor that would preach to you. See, you already exercised some hope by getting here. But the devil will tell you you don't have any hope. See, don't listen to him. He's a liar. He always has been. He always will be. Can you shout Amen? Now, so, so you got so. 
like that deer is looking for that water, we've got to find hope when we're being pursued. You've got to find hope because if, if you don't, you'll get worn down and you'll, you'll just quit running completely. And that's what the devil's game is. So where do we find hope? Well, we find hope first and foremost, we find it right here. Everybody say God's word. Let me give you some scripture. Psalm 119, 49 says, Remember the word unto your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. See, the word causes you to hope. Psalm 119.81 says, My soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. Psalm 119.114 says, You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Psalms 130 verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in his word do I hope. So when I know that I'm, un, I'm being pursued and there's, there's something that I'm trying my best and I'm in my, what I've got to know is if I'll get to the word of God, it'll give me hope. That, see, for me, I don't know how it is for you, but I don't go from Sunday to Sunday waiting for the word of God again. See, a lot of people think because I'm a preacher, well, they, he's a preacher. He ought to be reading his Bible. He's a preacher. He ought to be praying every day. He's a preacher. You know, he ought to be, you know, walking with God every day. But folks, we're talking about all of us ought to be doing this. Because you're in a world that's hopeless. And they'll suck the life out of you. And they'll suck your faith out. And you're hoping. We learned last week, don't tell me how much faith you have unless you have hope because you don't have any faith. Just because you can quote the Bible doesn't mean... See, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And we're in a faith church. I'm a faith guy. I, I, I really believe in the message of faith. But I do know this. The moment my hope starts to go down, the power of my faith greatly decreases. And I can confess and confess and confess all I want to. But if inside of me, I don't have my hope where it needs to be, my faith has nothing to grab hold of to produce what I'm believing God for. And if you'll listen to that the second time on the podcast, you'll get something out of that. Can you shout amen? Number two, so like when the deer, see what they've learned is when the deer is going through something, let, let's use a different word now. We use the word pursuit in the first one. When you're under a test or a trial or you're going through a storm, when that deer is being pursued, the body temperature of that deer goes up dramatically goes up really high and that's why it dehydrates, dehydrates so quickly and it has to find water. So for us, like, like for us, when the tests and trials and storms increase, the need for hope increases. In other words, when you're going through a storm, you need hope more than ever. Now, now I, I've told you some of my stories. I'll tell the one I told this morning. You've heard it many times, I know. But you know, all know that my mother was deathly afraid of thunderstorms. I mean, completely, totally afraid. When us little kids, I didn't have a dad in the home. My mom, my little five-foot mom, if she saw lightning anywhere out, I mean, if it was 50 miles away, whether we knew whether it was going to come to our house or not. If she could just see it, she assumed the storm was coming. She would wake us up at 12 or 1 in the morning. I've told you this many times. We'd go across the yard, across the street, find a neighbor, and, and, and they go, oh my, and I, I heard them. Like the, I, oh God, it's Miss Perry again. That was my mom's name, Perry. It's Miss Perry. They don't know her. Yes, Miss Perry. Oh, please let us stay. Please let us stay. Oh, storm's coming. Please, please let us stay. 
Okay, Miss Perry, come on in. And we would go in, and us kids, and we'd pile out in the middle of their floor. They'd give us a blanket, and we'd sleep on the floor in case the storm came. And I went through this over and over and over as a little kid. I absolutely, it, it, it made me mad every time we did it. I was embarrassed the fact that we did it. Uh, like a little kid, I was like, oh, my God, is it, you know. So, so lo and behold, uh, you know, one day I'm feeling my Cheerios. I'm 12 going on 13, which means I think I'm 25. And my little mom said, oh, God, son, a storm's coming, a storm's coming. I said, there's no storm coming. She said, there's a storm coming. I said, there's no storm coming. She said, there is. Let's go. Let's go. I said, I'm not going. She said, I said, let's go. I said, you go, but I'm not going. And by that time, I was a little taller, my little mama. And she didn't wrestle with me. I said, you going. I'm not going. She said, please come. I said, I'm not going. And she walked across the yard, knocked on the door of a college student that was living in an apartment that was kind of towards the back of a building that faced the back of our little house that we lived in, our little shack that we were in. And she went over there, knocked on the door, and that lady was nice enough to let her in. She looked back and I said, like, I'm not coming. They shut the door and I thought, I guess I showed her. And about 15 minutes later, this funny looking cloud started coming. I'd never seen a cloud like this before in my life. It was kind of yellowish. And it got closer and closer, and I thought, so what? <laughs> no big deal. And then about 10 minutes later, a really, really, really dark cloud rolled in behind it. And before I knew it, this storm came that was the most ferocious storm I had ever seen in all my life. Lightning was going, shoot, 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 shoot. I ran all the way into my bedroom, crawled. I was 12 years old. I crawled under my bed, laid down under my bed, and was praying, and I didn't even know who God was. But I was praying unto God because I had decided I, uh, I, was, I was Mr. Big Man. When I came out from under that bed and finally the storm subsided, it was about, a, about an hour and a half, and my mom came back over and I came out. I said, Mama, I will never do that again the rest of my life. Next time you want to go, we going in Jesus' name. But storms are all in the Bible. And I like the fact that Jesus, we see him walking on the water in the middle of a storm. And the Bible says in one account, I like this account, the Bible says he's walking on the waters and there's billowing over him and the disciples over in the boat and the Bible says he would have passed them by had they not called out to him. No, a lot of people just expect God to just come down and deliver them. Well, listen, honey, you have not because you asked not. Well, why didn't God stop the storm? And why didn't God stop that car wreck? And why didn't God stop the tornado? And why didn't God... And we ask all these foolish questions. But the Bible says that night he would have passed them by. But they cried out. And then, of course, a miracle took place. Eventually, Peter got out of that boat and walked on that water. And then in the other story, Jesus knows the storm is coming. So let us go to the other side. He knows the storm is coming, and he did what every good person does when a storm's coming. He went in there and went to sleep. And then, of course, a storm came, and they thought they were going to die. And then they, then they made this foolish statement, and we still say it today. Lord, don't you care that we're going to perish? What a dumb question to say. But he said to them, where's your faith? You should have stopped the storm. What am I saying to you? I'm saying to you that when you're in the storm, you better find some hope. Storms have a way of fooling us. They have a way of making us think that they will never stop. You know, when something bad happens, what the devil will say to you, this is not like the last time. This is worse. And it's never going to stop and you're never going to get through it, and you're not going to survive it, and you're not coming out the other side. This is the big one. This is the one that's taking you down. But there has never been a storm in meteorological history that did not have a lifespan. 
You can name the worst storms, and I'm a meteorological you know, person. I love all of that. But I'm telling you, the worst of the worst storms have a lifespan. They have a beginning. They have a middle. But they all come to an end. And listen, if you don't get some hope while you're in the storm, you'll get sucked into believing it's never going to stop. And you'll give up. A lot of people give up just before the storm begins to subside. Just before the storm starts to quiet down. Did you know every month in America, 1,400 pastors quit the ministry? 1,400 pastors a month quit the ministry in America because they're storms. The storms are coming. I mean, it's part of life. Jesus said, in this life, you will have tribulation. And by the way, real Bible hope does not deny the fact that things might be bad. Bible hope doesn't say, well, it's not that bad. No, Bible hope says, it doesn't matter how bad it is. My God's going to help me through it. It doesn't matter what it looks like today. I'm going to the other side. It doesn't matter what people say. I'm coming through this. All you've got to do is outlast the storm. Because that storm cannot go on forever. There's an old saying in the world, it can't rain forever, and it can't. The devil doesn't have that kind of power. He can't do that to you for the rest of your life unless you let him. But you grab hold of your hope and say, I have hope in God. And I know I'm in the storm today, and I'm not denying that it's not a storm. But I'm telling you this much, I'm not quitting. Can you shout amen? Most of you probably heard of Antoine Fisher. How many of you heard his story? Or maybe you, you saw the movie. Now here's a young man that was born uh, while his mom was incarcerated. I mean, what a story here. I mean, this is a really tough story. And he's born in this adverse. He was a ward of the state because his mom was imprisoned and, and his dad and all of this. And, and he was a ward of the state. And he got cast into foster homes where they beat him. And they, he was just terribly mistreated. And just, just, I mean, there was no way he was ever going to come up out of this stuff. But in the middle of all this, he had, I think it was a fourth grade teacher that started to take some interest in him and decided he was worth the investment of putting some hope in him. And she started telling him, you can do this now. You can read this. He said he had a stuttering problem. She said, you can do this. And he began to have some hope put in him. And before you know it, he was beginning to be able to read. And even though after this, he went through a lot of other stuff as he grew up through his adolescent years and, and all of that. Because someone started putting some hope in him, he started grabbing hold of that hope and became a Hollywood screenwriter. Are you listening to me? It's amazing what a little hope can do. You know, you should be sowing hope. Wherever we go, man, I go into places and there's people always, I always ask people, can I pray for you? And almost always the, the waiter, the waitress will say, sure. And, and, and I told the story, we were in, in one not long ago and this person said, I've had a really terrible day and, and boy, oh boy, this has been rough on me. And, you know, and they were telling me all this and I said, well, you know what? It's stopping right now. I said, you know why it's stopping right now? Because God sent us. I said, God loved you enough that he had us come and sit in your booth right now at this time when you've had a bad day and your bad day stops right now. Because I'm going to tell you what's going to happen now. You're going to have the best people you've waited on all day. And at the end, we're going to pray over your life and God's going to do something and we're going to leave you a nice tip. Amen. And I noticed a smile came on her face. Amen. Hope can change everything in a person's life. Yes. Can you shout amen? Amen. 
And you'll notice this too. The Bible says in Romans 15, 13, Now the God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. So God wants to fill us up with hope. And it says that, that we're believing. We become believers again. Hope causes you to be believing again. You, you can't be saying you're believing for God to do something if you've lost your hope for it. You got to get your hope back. You can't be moved by what you see. You can't be moved by what you hear. You know, we have adult kids that we still have. Our hope is completely fa fastened in the Lord. They are going to make it. They're coming to Jesus. They're going to serve God. We're going to see them in heaven, every single one of them. It doesn't matter what another relative tells us about them. It doesn't matter when we see them if things aren't lined up yet because our hope is not in them. Our hope is in God. Can you shout amen? So, we need hope in the storms. Number two, we need hope in the storms. Number one, we need hope when we're pursued. Number two, we need hope in the storms. Number three, when you, when you, you have to be willing to risk everything you have in order to get hope. That deer is an amazing creature, and I'm, I've made this point before, but I want you to hear it again. That deer, uh, even if it's not being pursued, will expose itself to danger by going to get water because of course I'm not a hunter I've never hunted in my life I, I never will and I'm not against it so don't don't get don't wig out on me here it's just my preference my listen I'm feeding every bird within 20 miles of my house right now I got bird feeders everywhere in my backyard I, I had to go get two 40 pound bags of seed this week and trust me they're about all gone I've got six dogs in my house praise God hallelujah thank you Jesus amen I mean you know it's like a zoo around my house I didn't tell my daughters but I had a couple of snakes out there the other day I was like well I'll tell you what happened with them they're gone because I killed them. So if you're a snake lover, you go ahead and love on them all you want to. But they come around my house, they gone. I didn't feed that one, praise God. You know, praise God, how do you think Jesus say, man, you just do what you want to. I'll tell you a lot of people, they got a pet snake. I'll do the last thing I'm ever going to have in my house is a pet snake. <laughs> they didn't come in my house and I'm not having that thing in my house. You do what you want to, man. You can do whatever you want to. And, uh, but that, that deer will expose itself to go to that watering hole because again, that watering hole is its life source. So there's danger by going where that water hole is, especially if you've got experienced uh, hunters who know that these deer are going to gather around that stream or that brook and they know to sit, you know, in the brush or maybe set a, uh, uh, whatever they call them, you know, help me out here. Uh, deer stand, yes, yeah, it tells you I haven't done it yet. The only deer I make a stand for is this one right here. Praise God, how you think he said, man. But, uh, uh, but, but it's amazing how they'll risk their lives and expose themselves. But that's how valuable hope is. You have got to fight. You've got to keep it in your life. You've got, and you, listen, you need to be around people that are hopeful. My God in heaven don't get around a bunch of people that aren't hopeful. I, I just, I love people. I love people. I love to hang out with people. But if you're one of those people that's going to be, if you're Debbie Downer, then guess what? We're going to have a very short conversation. I'm going to wish you well, and I'm going to find somewhere else to go. Even if I have to do fake a call on my phone, I'm out of there. And don't tell me you haven't done it. Hold on a minute. i got to take this. Oh, oh. Oh, yes, I'll be right. Don't tell me you don't do this. Don't tell me you don't do this. You know, I'd like to spend more time with you, but something just came up. 
and I'm going to have to get on that right now. I'll, get, I'll hit you back in a little while. And you're thinking, I hope I lose that number, praise God. Your mind will give you trouble. Your mind is the real battleground here. And you can't allow your mind to keep you from searching for hope. Here's what it says in 1 Peter 1.13. Gird up the loins of your mind. Isn't that a weird statement in the King James Version? Calling your mind. says it literally is like a body. Gird up your loin, the loins of your mind, it says. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he says here, you got to protect your mind so that God will get some hope to you. And God will give you the revelation you need to get through what you're going through. God will show you what to do next. Can you shout amen? amen. Number four, hope for the believers found in God's house. Again, when you come to church, this is the place where you should get filled with hope. When you, you, when you, you, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've been, I'm like you. I go through a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. And I have to, my mind wants to wear on me and my emotions want to wear on me. And things, you know, the devil, of course, is never going to stop whispering. That's what he does. He's a whisperer. He's a whisperer. You know, what about this? And what about that? And what about this other thing? And you just don't know. And, and I, but, you know, every time that happens, I know if I can just get to God's house. If I can just make it to God's house, I'm going to get some hope put back in me. Amen. Amen. Uh, Psalm 71, 14 says, but I will hope continually. Everyone say continually. And then it ties in with number five. Praise attracts hope. It says, I will hope continually, and yet I will praise you more and more. When we're praising God, hope starts to come. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed when they're up here praising God, like we've got the worship team up here, I did this earlier, when Tyson's over here and he's playing, isn't he doing great? We got, we got the whole Sinclair family, I noticed this morning, we had the whole Sinclair family right here, right? We had Richard, Ryan, and Barbara right here on this side of the side. I said, man, we got the whole Sinclair family right there. And they were all praising God, right? And the other players we had over here. And, and let me tell you about them. And, and I don't know what, and Olympia and her team and all. I don't know. But I guarantee you, every one of them up here probably does have something going on in their life that they're having a little trouble with. But see what happens when they come in here, they start praising God. Praise attracts hope. And then when you see what they're doing and you start raising your hands, all of a sudden you're forgetting about the trouble and forgetting about the struggle and forgetting about that person at work and forgetting about all this different stuff you're going through. And here's what happens. Praise attracts hope. Listen to this. And hope attracts God. When you start walking in Bible hope, it attracts the help of God from heaven. It attracts the angels of God. They begin to swarm a little bit. They say, oh, they put their hope. They're not hoping on with man anymore. They put their hope back in you. And, God, and Father God says, yes, go now. Help them. Help them. Help them. Help them. Amen. We put too much hope in man. And, and because, listen, we're all a little bit jacked up. Amen. I, I know we all think we're perfect, but we're not. I, I said this morning, here's how I know you're not perfect, and here's how you know I'm not perfect, because I can see you and you can see me. The Bible says Enoch walked perfectly with God, and God took him out. 
Well, because you're still here and I'm still here, he's still working on me. Make me what ought to be. You know the story, right? Right? But here's the thing. Keep your faith in God. Praise attracts hope. Hope attracts God. It's amazing when you decide to praise God how you can feel hope beginning to swell up on in the inside of you again. It's really a wonderful thing. Can you say amen? Yes. Number six, hope is stirred when we remember what God has done for us. You know that? I mean, you ever, have you ever been in a really bad place and you think, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? How am I going to deal with this? How am I going to manage my way? How am I going to walk through this forest? How am I going to do it? But then, if you'll pause a minute, you'll remember that you've said that before at other times about other things. And somehow God helped you get through. Hope comes when you remember what God has done for you before. Let me give you scripture for it real quickly here. Um, Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. It says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusts in man. Wow. And makes flesh his arm, and whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good comes. Boy, these are big scriptures here. Will not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land, and not inhabited. Listen to that. If you're trying to get your help only from man, there's going to come a dry season at some point for you. Man is not always going to be able to help you. But listen to the next part of this, the, these verses. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreads out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat comes, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. So he says here, the person has hope even if there's drought in everybody around them, in the whole surroundings of where they're at, it will not come to you. You will still be flourishing. You will still be blessed, although everybody else could lose hope, but you wouldn't. That's right. Amen. Amen. Can you shout amen? amen. So again, this is, this is, the Bible says these three remain, faith, hope, and love. There's an endless supply of hope that's always available if we'll just grab it. Now, you're going to have to cut off some of the noise. You're going to have to cut off some of the junk around you because I'm telling you, it'll steal your joy, it'll steal your hope, and it'll steal your faith. That's right. That's why I don't, I tell people all, I know, they, I know they think I just say some of these things. Somebody said to Pastor Ginger one time, does he really believe all that stuff he preaches? Uh, yeah. Somebody else said one time, when he tells those stories about his life and growing up, are those really true? No, I made them all up. I went home one day and decided this would be a really cool story, and I made them up. Are you kidding me? They're all true. I'm telling you the truth of the way it is. Amen. And I can tell you this, you know, if I'm going to keep my hope in God, and if I'm going to, if I'm going to make it, I'm going to decide, if everybody else around me decides to let go, I've got to figure out a way. I'm going to keep holding on. Amen. 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 I learned this a long time ago, and I still have to... When you say something like that, like a phrase, like I learned this a long time ago, but, but also I still have to remind myself. How many of you can relate to that? Amen. 
And I still have to remind myself. And when I don't, I have the Holy Ghost that reminds me. And then I have Holy Ghost Junior who reminds me. Otherwise known as Pastor Ginger, Holy Ghost Junior. But I learned that I can't control everything around me. And it's tough in life. It's tough when there's things you cannot control. One thing I cannot control is how people act or react. I can't. I just can't. And it's a tough lesson of life. The longer you live, the further you go along, the harder it is for you to get that. Because especially if you have a personality like I have that I want to help people and I want to fix everything. I don't want everybody to be happy. I don't want everybody to be just, you know, just, I want all that. It's very difficult for you to finally accept some things that, you know, there's some things I just can't change. I just can't change them. Love to, but I can't. But at the same time, I can't get into despair, even if that's true. I've still got to keep some hope. If for no other reason, I've got to keep hope so I can help other people. A hopeless person can't help anybody. Big statement right there. I should have put a flag on that. and It'd be worth writing down. A hopeless person cannot help anybody. You don't go to somebody that's given up to try to tell you how to keep going. Archie Moore, remember him? He was a great boxer way back in the day and it was a fight that he was having one day and he got knocked down early in the rounds. I mean, he was flat on his back. And they started the count on him, but, but he recovered and he got up and he wound up knocking out his opponent and winning, winning the match. And they asked him, they said, what, are, what were you thinking when you got knocked down and you were laying flat on his back? He said, when I was laying, I thought, no, I'm the champ. I'm the champ, not him. I'm the champ, not him. I'm the winner, not him. And he said, I got back up and I beat him. Everybody say this, I'm the champ. Say, I'm the champ. I'm the champ. I'm getting back up. I'm going to win this fight. Michael said it this way. He said, I may fall, but I shall arise. He said, if I fall seven times, I'll just get up again. I learned this a long time ago too. All you got to do is get up one more time than you fall and you'll be okay. You'll make it. Just one more time. People in this church, people watching online this morning, they've gone through stuff I know you have. Some of you have gone through horrific things, just unbelievably horrific, unfair things that have happened that you didn't do anything to deserve. You didn't do anything to bring it on yourself. And it's just evil people and the devil and just the world you live in has brought really horrible things to your, to your doorstep. But look at you. You're sitting in church this morning. Who's your daddy? <laughs> you got to tell the devil, who's your daddy? <laughs> Everybody look down at the devil and say, who's your daddy? Yeah, uh-huh. 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 Yeah. We can't use the world's way of saying things here. I'm going to make you my buddy here. My, you know. But that, that, you, know, you got to tell the devil that sometimes. Look at what you've already overcome. Look at the storms you've already made it through. Look at all the people that prophesied you would not make it, but you did. Ha, ha, ha. On the devil and on those unbelieving people that the devil would send in our lives. I remember 1981 when I had a whole flock of people around me in my life, mostly family members, who basically said, my God, William is only 21 and he's already lost everything. He is just doomed. And I, I mean, they were prophesying left and right over me. 
Ha, ha, ha. He's a preacher with no church. He's a high school dropout. He's, he doesn't have a job that's paying him anything at all. He's just, like I said, lost everything. He's got a car with a tractor tire on the front. He is done. It is over. But one thing I did that they didn't know, I got on my knees and I found, I found some hope. I found some hope. I began to find out who I was in Christ Jesus. And I began to say, I am what the Word says I am. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I got up in that little dinky apartment like you know, you've heard the stories, and I screamed it. I screamed it at the top of my lungs. Yes, I'm going to win. And you know the story. I had a dope fiend in apartment D. I had a witch in apartment B, and I was in apartment C. That's the truth. I had a dope fiend that lived in apartment D over here and a woman over here practiced astrology and witchcraft and had Ouija boards and tarot cards and she lived over here and this dope fiend that smoked so much I got high from his fumes in my apartment. I told people, I said, you know, I never smoked dope but I got high on it a few times because he smoked it so much it just came over in my apartment. I saw them go, dear God in heaven. I didn't know Jesus was pink and he rode an elephant. <laughs> but I, I, in the middle of that, in the middle of that, I found some hope. My sister said to me one day, William, what are you going to do? She said, William, what are you going to do now? I said, I'm going to trust God. She said, well, you know what she said? Well, that's sweet. Like it was like a, like play, you know, play school or something. I said, no, I'm going to trust God. And for, you know, within 13 months, we got married 13, I met her. We got married 13 months later. We started the ministry. We started doing what we're doing today, you know, and we just stayed at it and stayed at it and stayed at it. Here we are 40 years and we're just staying at it and staying at it and staying at it and staying at it. Archie Moore said, yeah, I, I, when I was laying on my back, I thought, I don't belong. I'm the champ. What you talking about? Right? Yeah. Look down at the floor at the devil and say, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? That's right. <laughs> mm -hmm. We know. We know what the score is in this place. So hope is stirred up when we remember what God has done for us. Start rehearsing. That's what David did. He rehearsed the victories when he got into a trouble. The Bible says he came back from, and they'd been out on the battlefield and things couldn't have been better when he left. When he left, the town was beautiful and his families were there and everybody celebrated him and he was a celebrated man and he came back and the, the city had been burned and uh, the families had been taken away and, and everything was pillaged around him and the Bible says that even his own men spoke of, of stoning him. The people that he fought side by side with now turned quickly on him and ready to stone him and the Bible says when he was in the middle of all that, that David encouraged himself, not in himself, but in the Lord. He started remembering how many times he had been in a hard place in his life, but God somehow got him through it. And the Bible says he inquired of the Lord, what shall I do? God said, pursue, overtake, and I like this part, recover all. Everybody say, recover all. God wants you to recover from your storm, from your test, from your trial, from your disease, from your divorce, from your depression. God wants you to recover. That's God's plan for your life. Can you shout amen? amen. Number seven, in the darkest times, God will show you things that you may not see at any other time. Did you know that? 
Now, I'll have to say this. I don't pray for bad times and hard times. God knows I don't have to. They come pretty easily. But I want to make sure when I'm in something that I learn something. I don't want to just go into a trial or test and not come out of it having learned something. I don't want to be so arrogant that I think I don't need to learn anything when I'm in a trial. And I don't want to put the blame on everybody else in that either. Even there, there might be some and there may not be some to be given. But even if there is any, I don't want to put, because there's also, I'm in this for a reason and I need to learn something while I'm in here. Because I want to be able, the next time this comes, I want to be better at it. And maybe I might have to go through it three or four times. You know, you don't pass every test the first time. And I told the story this morning. I don't think I told it to you guys. Maybe I did. If, you, if I did, stop me. But there was a, a guy in Japan that failed his uh, uh, driver's test 271 times. Did I tell you that in this session? All right. In this session. Did I tell you in this session? Okay, so you remember that. So uh, I don't want to go through something 271 times. Dear God in heaven, once I go through a trial, I'm hoping I never see that thing again. I don't ever want to see that demon. But every now and then you fail or you don't do the best you could and sometimes you go through it again and it's not good. But even in that, you can learn something. And sometimes you can't learn unless you're in that. But you've got to keep your hope in it. The Bible says in Psalm 43, 5, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. Just keep hoping in God. Number eight, hope causes you to keep going when you're oppressed by the enemy. What do I mean by that? Hope will cause you not to just look at the outside. You won't just be looking outward. Hope will cause you to look upward. Sometimes we forget how big our God is. I talked about this a little bit when Richard was here in some of those meetings that God's been dealing with me about the bigness, B-I-G-N-E-S-S, the bigness of God. You don't hear that phrase very often. I understand that. It's not a, it's not a common word you would use, but, but that's what God said. He said, people have forgotten my bigness. And I thought, Lord, you know that's true because sometimes I get into something and I think, what am I going to do? And how am I going to make it? And how am I going to get through it? What's going to happen next? And how am I going to cope with this? And what are people going to think? And, and I go through all those different little things in my mind and, and the Lord says, stop. Remember my bigness. Remember me. So we, ha- we have to kind of keep that in focus when we're, when we're in that moment and we're going through a situation. As I said, hope will keep you going. Even when you're in the battle, hope is the thing that sustains you until help comes. Hope will keep you going until the help comes. Amen. Number nine, I only have 30. Minus 20, if that'll help you. Do the math. We're on number nine. Hope is the one and only thing that can nurse you back to health. I like that statement. Hope, uh, being a pastor, I've had to help people through the darkest moments ever in their lives. I've had to help at least two people in the history of this church through the murder of one of their family members. You talk about a tough thing for a pastor. Now, we're not playing games here now. You can't quote your little two or three popular verses that you like and claim that I'm a sweet little minister. No, you better be walking with God and you better have some anointing if you're going to help people through stuff like this. People, everybody want to be a pastor and preacher to something like that come along. You don't want that. But when I've been in those moments with those people, I knew that ultimately what I had to ask God to do is somehow show me how to help them as they go through this and they deal with this to somehow get their hope back to live again and to laugh again and to love again and to 
dream for life again and to plan and go on with the rest of their life and have some peace about it. And that's, that's very difficult to do. Some people go into therapy and never come out of it. And, and I don't claim to be a therapist. I'm a pastor. I, I went through psychology classes and all that when I did college, but that's not what we're talking about here. This is talking about real, real life stuff here. So you've got to understand that hope is the only thing that can nurse them back to health. What does excite me is when I see somebody in this congregation go through something really tough, death of a spouse, death of a, of a child, which is unbelievable, which Pastor Ginger's gone through, and you can name a number of other things, rape and just these horrible crimes and things that m people do to people, which sometimes I don't understand how human beings can do this to other human beings. And I've had to help people through all of those things in my life. But it's so rewarding when you do see them make it and walk through it and grab hold of God and a year or two later I see them walk into this building and I see them begin to smile again a little and they tell me oh I just did this oh this just happened in my life and I see the life I see them life coming back in them it, 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 that's why I get out of bed in the morning if I didn't believe I could help people guys I'd pitch this, the keys to this church to somebody tomorrow because it'd be the easiest thing on my flesh to do something else but I still believe for some reason I have a gift. Amen. And I think God still uses me some to, some to help people just to get their life back. Amen. I saw Nancy Dixon. Is she still in here? She was in the first service. I saw Nancy Dixon in here. You, most of you wouldn't even know her. Uh, she's about 80, I think 80 or maybe a little bit older. Uh, um, I love in this church when you try to describe somebody. If you say, well, he's a short black guy. I'm like, well, you, you, you didn't narrow that down at all, man. We got a bunch of He's a tall black guy. <laughs> Well, she's this white lady. Well, I didn't, we didn't narrow that down much, you know. That's what I love about this church. You try to describe somebody, and it's kind of hard because we got variety in here, you know. We don't just have one of everything, man. <laughs> we got, you know. Uh, but she's about 80. Uh, and she's a white lady and all that, but that matters. But, but her husband died about three, I think I told you recently, her husband died about three or four years ago. And they've been coming to church about a year or so. Mr. Billy loved this church. Her husband loved this church. She, she not so much. She was only coming because that was her husband, and he decided he wanted to come here. He introduced me to her. He said, she really doesn't want to come, but she's coming because of me. And I said, well, that's fine. And I loved him and all. And he got sick, and about a year later, he died, and I did his funeral. And, of course, I helped her, you know, a lot through then talked to her and prayed for her and all that. And, of course, you know, what I have seen a lot of times is people then that are close to people like that will drift out of the church. And that because that person there was their God connection and they kind of ripped it out. But here we are four years later and she was here in the first service. I saw her walking in the building as we were pulling in the parking lot. I said, I said, honey, look at there. I said, there's, I said, there she is walking into the building this morning. I said, that is amazing. I watched her. We were doing the offering and I watched her and she's, you know, she's got some problems. I can tell walking and I saw her walking like this up here this morning. And I watched her put her little offering in over here, or offering, I don't want to say little, every offering's bigger. She put her offering in here, and I watched her come over, and I watched her put her offering, her little money for the, and, and I watched her walk back, and I saw, I saw she had a, a little smile on her face. I said, man, I'm so, it makes it all worth it. Amen. She's got her hope back. Amen. She got her hope back. If you weren't here Thursday night, or not Thursday night, excuse me, was it Thursday night? No, it was Tuesday night, the last night of, of, uh, uh, that Richard was with us. If you weren't here Tuesday night, David Greenwell was here. And David's doing great. I posted the picture. A lot of you saw it online. And David was, 
he'd hit a really rough spot in his life and we knew it and we've been you know really fighting to help all these years so hope is the only thing that can nurse you back to health and finally number 10 hope comes when we look for God you have to look for God Lamentations chapter 3 verse 21 says this I recall to mind therefore have I hope it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not they're new every morning great is your faithfulness the Lord is my portion says my soul therefore will I hope in him the Lord is good unto them that wait for him to the soul that seeks him it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord what a great scripture three times hope is mentioned in those verses and by the way Lamentations is a book of weeping it's written by Jeremiah who's called the weeping prophet and even the weeping prophet is telling us who had to go through years and years of captivity and no one got saved in his ministry and he just kept doing what God said the weeping prophet said we need to hope it's good for you to hope in God Amen. it's good even if you're in captivity even if you're in a dark place even if you're going through the valley it's good for a man to hope in God and to wait for the salvation one last thing I'll mention about that scripture, and I mentioned to Pastor Ginger this morning. It uses the word mercy in there. His mercies are new every morning. I find in the body of Christ, this is an area we really need to get better at. We don't show a lot of mercy. Can I, can I have an amen? We're not very good at it. Well, we take those personality profiles, we say, well, that's the one I scored lowest on. You may have scored lowest on it, but the Bible tells you to have mercy. It doesn't matter about your personality. You don't get a pass because you scored low on the personality profile on mercy. You don't get a pass. The right. Bible says show mercy. If you show mercy, you'll, you'll get mercy. Amen. We're not going to win the lost if we're going to judge them about everything they do, everything they say and the way they act. We're going to have to have some mercy along the way to, to attract them to the cross. Final scripture, Psalm 78. How many people do we have in this service? I'm going to use Jesus' age at his departure from this planet. How many uh, people in this service are 33 or younger? If you are, stand up and wave at me. You're 33 years of age or you're younger. we got a few in here. Stand up and wave at me if you're 33 years or younger. All right, stay up there a minute. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. I want to say this to you. All of us that are older than you have a responsibility to put hope inside of you. It is our responsibility to make sure that your generation is hopeful and not hopeless. It's on us that are older to make a deposit in you. I'm going to give you a scripture. Listen to this. Psalm 78, 6 and 7. That the generation to come, that's all of you, the generation to come might know them. Talking about know, know the things of God. It's on us to make sure you know it. To, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born. That would be even your children that you guys are going to have. The children that should be born who should arise and declare them to their children that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep his commandments. Folks, it is our charge. You young folks... Your generation has got to have hope and it's got to come from my generation and the other generations ahead of you. But listen, older folks in here, we've, we've got to become so energized with hope that when we get around these young people that we infuse it in them. It's on us to do it right now. Can you say amen? 
You've been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online. Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at a doseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again.